Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to Shared History, where the points are made up and the history doesn't matter. Or so you thought. Yes, this is uh, Shared History, the podcast where we are going to talk and just tell each other a story, a little story about history that maybe wasn't in your history books. That probably should have been. And pro- Yeah, probably should have been. Um, I'm Natalie Younger. I'm Cass Maher. And on the ones and twos, <laughs> is our producer Rip. I got my full DJ set up here. It's about to get lit, y'all. Just wait till the beat drops halfway through the podcast, and we're not going to tell you. It's going to get turned. It's a drinking game. Whenever the beat drops, you all have to take a drink. Yeah. Please don't do and that. And then you have to call your high school history teacher and apologize. <laughs> all on your way to work. Yep. <laughs> Uh, this is our first episode, so enjoy our wackadoos. We're shaking our sillies Um, up. Cass and I started this podcast because we both are big old history nerds. And well, Natalie was going to write a book. And then that was a lot of work. And, and I, I was thought, like, no, you're not. <laughs> it'd be a lot, it'd be a lot easier. And, uh, I'd be a lot less, uh, beholden to proper citation if I just, uh, talked into a microphone with a friend of mine also i'm picturing if the, the book was basically just like you're writing it out the way we're talking it yeah. would be so incoherent mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah and so i knew that Cass is a big old nerd and we also have just been needing to hang out yeah and- natalie what's our shared history oh i'm glad you asked uh Cass rip and i are all uh improvisers and comedians in the Currently sunny city of Chicago. The one sunny day we'll get yeah, all year. And we're going to be inside talking into microphones during it. Uh, and yeah, we met uh, We met at an improv show where we played really obnoxious uh, Minnesotan church ladies. All of our names were Carol. Yeah, we're, and it was uh, magical immediately. And we were like, we need to hang out, but we both overcommit ourselves. So the only way that we could trick ourselves into actually hanging out was by making it a project. Natalie, I'm busy. I can't. Let's write a sketch show together. That'll be good. Let's what do a if we do a podcast? <laughs> Great. Uh, so uh, almost a year and a half after after we said we should hang out, we finally we are work. hanging out at not a show, <laughs> and it's still work related. Uh, so the way that this shenanigan will work is uh, we have both chosen a a person or an event i believe we both did people Mm -hmm. uh from history and we're just gonna you know tell each other about it i know for me personally i was really excited about uh focusing on um women and people of color in history because i feel like especially in well no in all history i was gonna say especially in u.s history um they're not given uh the page count that they should be yeah and a lot of their accomplishments are passed off to yes other people um but for this episode we gave ourselves a theme and our theme was women in u.s history Mm -hmm. i had to remember and yes i did it correctly yeah um so yeah so we're just gonna tell you a story that's this is a story time Mm -hmm. with your friends Cass and matt and riff the reason why natalie's not doing a book and we're doing it this way is Again, as previously stated, we're both nerds, so we, like, are doing the research, but also, we are not professional historians. Oh, yeah. Hashtag disclaimer. So, um, some of this may be embellished, or maybe not 100% correct, but you're going to get the basic gist, and we're mainly just going to talk about yeah, what we... This podcast brought to you by the internet... And our subjectivity and our yeah and our memories a little bit yeah but mostly the internet and subjectivity kids don't cite this in a paper yeah <laughs> cool well I'll kick us off yeah do it um so I chose someone who I had 
briefly heard about and only pretty recently. I feel like you may have heard of this person since you are kind of a history buff. Um, Sybil Luddington. I don't believe I'm familiar. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Sybil Luddington is a badass bitch. So Sybil Luddington was um, a young girl during the American Revolution. Oh, was she a daughter of the American Revolution? One might say she was. Um, And Sybil's claim to no fame um, was she had... That's so sad. I'm so sad. (laughs) Getting real. Um, She had a midnight ride akin to Paul Revere. Okay. Um, But unlike Paul Revere... Well, I'll tell you Sybil Eddington's story and then tell you how Paul Revere didn't quite stack up. Um, (laughs) Paul Revere's a great man, um, but Sybil Eddington kind of... Good hat. Great hat on that man. Mm, yep. Love the lantern. Um, so Sybil Eddington was 16 years old when she did her ride. And she traveled twice the distance of Paul Revere at, in more in um, a longer time span. Because Paul Revere... I thought you were going to say in like half the time. Because well, when women do it, we get it done more efficiently. Well, it was kind of... I'll explain it. So she <laughs> rode... 40 miles, which is about 65 kilometers, which means nothing to anyone. But every- I'm so glad that you transferred it to kilometers. We are in the United States. I Every time I, every uh, article that I researched, it was like 40 miles, about 65 kilometers. This is for our fans like, no abroad. Yes, you're welcome. Our, audi- our budding audience abroad. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she was born in uh, 1767. Um, and by the time the revolution hit, um, her father was a um, a leader of their local militia. And they got word that their, a nearby city of Danbury, Connecticut, um, they lived on the border of New York and Connecticut, and they got uh, word that Danbury was going to be attacked by the British. And her dad, uh, being a militiaman, was, got this intel and was like, we need to... Um, gather the militia. They were all home on their farms. And Sybil was like, I can do it. So he's like, dope. I think you said this and I miss it. Where is Sybil? Is she in Danbury or is she in She's in in, in New York. um, New York. Uh, So it was called, it was called Fredericksville, the city she was in, um, which is like, like an hour north of New York City. Okay by car, which mm-hmm. they didn't have. Um, but they renamed the town Luddingtonville uh, because of that's her. That's a mouthful, though. They could have just named the town Luddington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's already a town name. Yeah. Like, right there. It's literally Ludding Town. And full What stop. if it was Luddingtonton? Luddington Town. Luddington Town. Yep. That's in the UK. <laughs> Let's go cool. That's 100%. <laughs> New Luddingtonton. Yes. Um, anyway, so, so he got this intel. All the militia was um, spread out on their farms. And... Uh, it was, they got this at like 9 p.m. So it's okay. dark out. And keep in mind, they're in um, New England. And so this is not, like, we're sitting in the the great old God's country Midwest. Very flat, very easy to see and know where you're going. They're like fully wooded and it's been raining. Um, it's dark out and it's all muddy and it's, it, this is a hard ride to make. So she jumps on her horse, star. I felt that was important oh, to know the horse's yeah, name. Yeah, that horse is a goddamn hero. Right? And they said she she had a stick, like a pointy stick. That's all she had to, like, prod her horse and stuff. And she rode, she hit four towns. Um, now, keep in mind, uh, Paul Revere uh, got to Lexington, stopped and had a drink with Sam Adams, <laughs> waited, for like his, you do. waited for his friend, uh, what is it, Samuel Dawes. Yeah, Paul Revere is using the buddy system. William Dawes. Yeah, he was just like chilling until William Dawes showed up and William had the same message. He's like, you guys, guess what? The British are... Oh, hey, Paul, what's up? You tell them about the British coming? That's what I was saying. So they hung out, had a drink, and then we're like, let's go together. Paul Revere never made it to the town that he was supposed to. Where was he supposed to go? He was supposed to go to... I don't know any of this. I'm trash with the U.S. history. Yeah, but but I don't know what the final town, but he got intercepted by the British. Okay. And he was with his friend William Dawes and Samuel Prescott, 
And um, they escaped. Paul Revere didn't. They confiscated his horse. So he technically didn't finish the ride. What was his horse's name? They don't know. Because he didn't own a horse at the time. He had to borrow someone else's. Like a hack. bumming a horse. (laughs) I want you all to know, I think Paul Revere is amazing. But in relation to this story, it just doesn't. He doesn't need it. You don't need to give him the praise. Everyone's like, great. He gets it. So he didn't finish his ride. He took time to like hang out with Sam Adams. And then he had to walk back to Lexington (laughs) where they said he caught the end of the battle. Like, it's kind of of a downer. (laughs) This is great. He just so like anyway, swooped it at the end. And he was 41 at the time. So Sybil was a 16-year-old girl. She made a 40-mile ride in pouring rain, treacherous mud, woods that are really easy to get lost in. And she actually got um, intercepted by a British officer who tried to pull her from her horse. She fought him off with her with pokey her stick, stick. With her stick. And the reason she had the stick was to, you know, prod her horse, which friends become animals but also she didn't get off her horse the whole time she didn't have time to like jump off the horse and like knock on the door and be like hey guys i'm so sorry so she was she like rapping on the door she was rapping on the door while she's on her horse going from house to house like dope british are here (laughs) y'all know i gotta hit three more towns um and she she activate your phone tree So, yeah, so she gathered 500 militia between the times of 9 p.m. and dawn, which I don't know what that is. 5, 6 a.m.? Well, it was still dark. It depends on the time of year. It depends on the time of year. Did they have daylight saving time? Yeah. Did Ben Franklin screw us all over by then? Um, yeah, and uh, I'm looking at my notes. Uh, yeah, so she fought off several British officers. I think a highwayman stopped her, too, and got 500 militia... The, by the time the militia was gathered and made it to Danbury, um, they they weren't able to save the town, but by that time, most of the people knew, so most of the people had gotten out of Danbury. Okay. And, and so the, it was kind of like a ghost town that then the British were like invading. Yeah, like- they. I think, I mean, some people still died, and they burned down a few buildings. The reason the British were going there was to intercept... Um, like ammunitions and supplies and stuff. So I think they were able to get like most of that stuff out, clear the town a little bit. And when the militia got there, they were still able to force the British to retreat. Oh, cool. Yeah. Into um, close to the New Jersey sound, which you guys all know where that is. Yep. Um, Sounds like it's in New Jersey. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Uh, they were they were able to force him to retreat, which then is like known the battle at Ridgefield. So I don't know that at all, but that was mentioned. Basically, they. I did, mean, if Sybil wasn't there, we don't care about yeah, it anymore. Right? For the basically, they did their podcast. job. Um, Sybil was a, a badass. She was sixteen years old. She had eleven brothers and sisters. That's too many. So there's this really cool story of um, her dad was in. uh, This was before the ride. Her dad was, like, in their home, and a bunch of uh, British loyalists, 51 British loyalists, uh, were approaching the house to, like, capture her dad. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just, like, him. I think they had one um, guard or patrolman. So Sybil, uh, like, planted candles all around their house, and she lined up her brothers and sisters and had them march in, like, a military formation so all the the British loyalists saw was all these candles and then like faint outlines of like marching a small army of their yeah, twelve children. Yeah, a small army of twelve children. And they and they didn't. So and then they they went away. They're like, oh, there's too many people. We can't fight them. We've got fifty one. They've got a full troop. And that was Sybil. So theatrical, Sybil. Right? The drama. Like, <laughs> like that's like have you ever seen the Patriot where yeah. they like make all the scarecrows? Yeah. Um, Screw Mel Gibson. Um, but she did that, but real life and better. It's like, but, in, but for real and better. Yeah. Um, and without anti-Semitism. <laughs> woof. We'll get into that in a different podcast. Yeah. Also, her mom and dad were first cousins, which doesn't really matter, but I thought that was funny and weird. Um, yeah. That's a product of the times. That is a product of the times. So, so she was, she made, God, a 40-mile r- m- ride at 16 overnight in the rain that's hard um and fighting off a british person 
Um, <laughs> just let me tell you, I've done that before. It is horrid. Um, and and yeah, she was uh, she was thanked personally by George Washington, which was a big deal. Y'all know how obsessed with George Washington everyone was. He was the first celebrity. He was the first celebrity. Like yeah, Americans, they before they before we came up with our presidential system and everything. Like George was. They wanted to make him their king. Yeah. He was deified. Like, yeah. if you got to see him, it was like touching Beyonce. Um, so the fact that he personally thanked the 16-year-old girl was a huge deal. Um, and, and, and then she just went off to live a quiet life. She got married. She had a, a bunch of babies. And, um, and she died at age 77. And no one knew about any of this no one talked that's about that's a long life for that time yeah too. right um her her great grandson or her grandson or something um was the first one to write it down and this didn't get published until like 1880 or 1900 so i don't do math but that's almost what like 100 years because yeah. they were at that point i feel like they were like oh oh but uh, but paul yeah but paul but paul we can't admit that we were wrong and that we yeah. gave all the credit to a mediocre middle-aged white right. man and so so and her, her grandson wrote all this down and it was like well-known history in the town like they renamed the town about her and then it wasn't until this woman um historian in like the 1880s found about this story and published it in some um uh, magazine or article and there's this awesome statue at the halfway point between her ride of her on a horse and like the horse fighting is, a British man the horse is kind of reared up and she's got her like she's got her stick in her hand and she's like waving it and it's this awesome statue that no one's gonna see because it's in the middle of Connecticut like wilderness but god what a badass broad dope yeah I've never heard of her she's really really cool I am admittedly very I am I am quite literally trash with U.S. history same because our country's young and we study things that don't matter in school yeah and then they hit the like kind sorry of, mr dolan they hit these <laughs> they hit these like um these random highlights of you know like paul revere has been mythologized yeah also during the american revolution like there's no way we should have won that war oh no like we had we had no troops who were all you know like like underground you know the, the british were like suspected you they would take you out and so i feel like a lot of what helped us win was this like mythologizing and like you know the american revolution was basically just like um a inspirational basketball movie where there's that <laughs> the coach gets the no seriously it's like it's a bunch of it's a bunch of ragtag group that shouldn't win and shouldn't make it to the state finals and then denzel washington comes out yes. and he gives an you are titans gives an inspirational speech and it's and somehow then, it works and then we all flap our wings we all and all, americans are all and heart and not a lot of planning i feel <laughs> so so yeah yep that tracks uh, dude that's cool Luddington, Sybil Luddington. Only one D, which threw me. Oh, yeah. I don't. That's not important, but she's a sing- just just the one D. Just the one D because the the town name was so long they had to cut a D to make it shorter. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, I'm gonna go into mine now. Uh, just because we're concise. talking about Sybil Sybil Luddington and what a what a proper name. Uh, segue to the most badass name. Even though it's not for the the correct reasons ever, uh, I am here to tell you the story of Wilma Mankiller. Fuck off! Is that a real name or did she change it to that be badass? That is her name. Uh, <laughs> that is her real name. It is. Uh, however, it is in reference to a um, a tribal military rank. Got it. Uh, and and geographic region, but I think it's the military rank mm. first. And then the region she grew up in was n- named for that uh, because of her, uh, for her grandfather. Neither here nor there. Uh, so Wilma Mankiller, uh, full name Wilma Pearl Mankiller, because oh, you got to soften it a little bit <laughs> when your last name is Wilma Mankiller. Yeah. 
<laughs> when your last name is Mankiller, you've got to throw a little pearl in there. Um, <laughs> so I'm jumping jumping forward in, in time uh, to the... Uh, most of the story takes place in like the 60s, 70s. But um, Wilma Mankiller was born in uh, November 18th, 1945. Uh, that's the day after my husband's birthday. Not in 1945. <laughs> oh, your husband's middle name is also Pearl, also which is Pearl. bizarre. It's crazy. Uh, in a town I can't pronounce in Oklahoma. Show me the. Uh, Tahlequah. Tahlequah. I'm sharing my notes. Tahlequah. I mean, it's got to be Tahlequah. Yeah. There's no way I would have been able to pronounce yeah, that better. I just wanted to see the confidence, it. though. Uh, she's a descendant of the Cherokee Indians, um, and. They were, so they're in Oklahoma f- because they were forced to leave their homelands, you know, hashtag Trail of Tears. Americans uh, to make, were want to do yeah, that. They are ho- for- forced to leave their homelands uh, to make way for white settlers in 1830s. Um, so she's a descendant of the Cherokee Indians who were relocated there. Uh, and then she was kind of subsequently relocated. But she is the sixth of 11 children, mm. big families. Uh, on this episode, and she grew up on Mankiller Flats, which is located near Rocky Mountain, Oklahoma, which I don't know where that is either. Mankiller Flats. Mankiller Flats. Ooh, which I, I can I'm, already see this movie. Right? Uh, you see, like, the title pop up that's like... John Ford Western action Man going on. Mankiller Flats, Oklahoma. Um, yes. So, so I believe that, like, I believe that... Uh, her grandfather, great grandfather, um, had this tribal rank, and mm. therefore that was his last name, uh, or considered his surname. And um, he he owned like several plots of of land, mm. hence Mankiller Flats. Um, so the land is indirectly named for her, not her for the land. Um, Geography lesson here as well. You, you know, just doing what I can. <laughs> uh, so she was she was grew up on Mankiller Flats. Uh, before moving with her family in 1956 to San Francisco, California, as a part of the Federal Relocation Act to move Indians off of their reservations and into large cities uh, because the government can't make up their mind. They're like, first Native Americans, please move out of your home territories over here. You know what? Now you're all in this place. We'd rather have you in big cities. Jesus. Let's move you over here. Uh, One biography said that they moved in hopes of a better life, and they were... A poor family with like 13 mouths to feed. Also, I feel like every history book is like they throw on they moved in hopes of a better life to soften to Pearl, you know, to soften that relocation forcibly. Well, and then another another bio I read said that it was her dad, Charlie's idea and that her mother, Irene, uh, was not into it and did not want to go to San Francisco. Mom's Um, always like, Charlie, I swear to God, this is my home, Charlie. (laughs) Uh uh, you want a Wilma, man killer, <laughs> and and but all biographies basically said that like Wilma didn't want to leave Oklahoma. Got it. Uh, be- and, which I guess lends to spoiler alert: she ends up going back to Oklahoma at some point. Mm. Um, but uh, so they go to California in hopes of a better life. But you know, guess what? Uh, California it was still rough uh, economically, even in even in the fifties. California was San never Francisco really killing it. I feel like very California expensive. is a rough place to yeah. be for a long time. Yeah, and they still were like impoverished in uh, in San Francisco. Um, uh, maybe I'm just gonna blame tech bros, even though it was the 50s. <laughs> uh, Guys, and, uh, check out this rotary phone. And surprise, surprise, loaded with discrimination against Native Americans. No. Um, but reluctance aside, it was in California that Wilma first got into activism. I guess I should have started with Wilma Mankiller yep. is, a, <laughs> Native is, American is a Native American activist uh, and the first female chief of the Cherokee Nation. We are gilding so many lilies. Wait, mm. she was the first female oh. chief? Uh-huh. Wilma. Uh, but, so, so, but like activism has been like a through line in her entire story. Yeah. So they, they moved to California um, her first like foray in activism was uh, with San Francisco's Indian Center and later with, and this was a really dope story that I got to then go off on a tangent on, uh, the Native American efforts to reclaim Alcatraz Island. <gasps> uh, so in... Alcatraz is so cool. Yeah, I'm sorry. The so, Rock. Yeah. Well, <laughs> 
great Nick Cage movie. Totally I buy him as a chemist. Um, yeah, so Alcatraz had been closed. The penitentiary had been closed in 1964 and been declared surplus federal property in... No, that was in 1964. The penitentiary closed in 63. Um, and according to the Treaty of Fort Laramie in 1868 between the U.S. and the Lakota, all retired, abandoned, um, or out-of-use federal land could be... was was by right could be reclaimed by the Native American tribes that had been forced out of it to begin with. Hell yeah. Um, so in 1964, well, in 1964, a small group of Sioux demonstrated on the island for like four hours. And they were like, hey, can we have this back? Mm. Um, and then in 1969, from November 69 to June 71, so for 19 months, uh, a bunch of American Indians from various tribes and their supporters occupied the island uh, and like lived there uh, until they were like forcibly removed by the U.S. government. So they were like, were there Shocker. for nine? <laughs> like, that's, like, that's a through that's line here, yep. too. Jesus. Um, yeah. So they were their their argument was that they that the Native American people should get Alcatraz Island because this back. is in your people's law yeah Americans uh yeah and they used the they used the Treaty of Fort Laramie as like their uh precedent yeah legal term um yeah so so this was going on and uh and Wilma was was intrigued by it and like kind of like inspired by it and she would make food and meals and bring them to the people nice. on the island to raise money for their ca- causes and so it was in San Francisco that she got like super into activism. Um, but first, marriage. She got married at seventeen. Ooh. Uh, it was 1963. Uh, her husband's name was Hector Hugo Olaya de Bardi, uh, which I just wanted to say, but he doesn't matter. Uh, they <laughs> that is a fun name, right? It's a lot of names. Hector Hugo. Hector Hugo Ol- Olaya de Bardi, and they had two daughters, Felicia and Gina. Um, a lot of great names in Good this names story. in this story. Uh, but amidst all of this... Um, wait, yeah, okay. So she got super into the occupation. She was very intrigued by the occupation of uh, Alcatraz Prison. Um, and her husband was like, hey, why don't you just remain a traditional housewife? And she was like, nope. I mean, my name's Mankiller, so... <laughs> what do you think, Hector I don't, Hugo? Hector, I don't gotta listen to you. My last name is Mankiller, and I got <laughs> shit to I do. do what I want. I don't need no man. Uh, Killer. Also, they got divorced later anyway, which is why I keep saying he doesn't matter. Checks out. <laughs> Sorry, Hector. Um, so she said of that time, I have this quote, uh, quote, when Alcatraz occurred, I became aware of what needed to be done to let the rest of the world know that Indians had rights too. And this is when she went like all in on activism. So uh, she took night courses and, and like got her bachelor's while working on as a coordinator for like Indian programs in Oakland public schools. And she did all this stuff in San Francisco. But then like the second she divorced Hector, she was like, I'm going back to Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, because did, I never wanted to leave Oklahoma in the first place. Because California in the 60s sucks. Yeah. Uh, so she goes back to Oklahoma and remains living on uh, uh, Cherokee Reservation in 1977. So, and she brings her daughters. She's like, bye. Mm. Uh, she's like, they're man killers now. <laughs> We're leaving. <laughs> come to my flats. Yes. Come to my, these are my flats. <laughs> these are your flats These are now. my, these are my sensible flats. Everything the light touches is yours. <laughs> I imagine the light touches a lot on flats. Not a lot of uh, peaks to <laughs> to cast a shadow. There's a lot of light, man. There's a lot of light. Um, so, so she goes back to Oklahoma in '77 um, and and resumes activism in Oklahoma uh, in '79. I believe is when we begin a trend of uh, Wilma almost dying. Jesus. So in 1979, uh, she almost dies in a serious car crash. She was driving back from. I think she was getting her master's. Um, and she was driving back and had to, like, for from classes to where she was living. It was a long drive. Late at night, she had to, like, went, tried to go, like, around a car uh, or another car tried to go around a car. And she got it's in a serious head-on head collision Jesus. Uh, that, like, she was, like, in physical therapy and had to have, like, 17 surgeries oh and whatnot. Uh, but she lives. The driver of the other car does not live. The driver of the other car is her best friend. Oh! <gasps> So she gets in a head-on collision with her best friend. Um, 
And then after, uh, after recovering, she was diagnosed with my, my, myasthenia. I'm a doctor. Uh, myasthenia gravis, a chronic neuromuscular disease that makes speaking and simple motor functions increasingly difficult and can lead to complete paralysis. Um, so that's like basically once she's kind of recovered from the car accident, she gets diagnosed with that. It's hard to be an activist when you can't talk very well. Yeah. Um, and there's, but there's, uh, I guess a Cherokee vision of being of good mind, which to man killer, she took it to mean like thinking positively about what happens in your yeah. life, uh, and kind of taking whatever comes your way and, and still doing the best to serve others. So she heckin' kept going, um, heckin'. uh, which becomes a theme because she also had a kidney transplant, uh, breast cancer and lymphoma. And I read one bio that said that she actually had had two kidney transplants. So... You only she, got two of those. Yeah, so she had no original kidneys. In in the 70s. Not made with original parts. I don't want to get a yeah. 17 surgeries in the 70s. Yeah, uh, big ups to her brother Donald for the kidney donation. Oh <laughs> for the, at least one of them. I don't know hey, where Donnie, the second one came from. Donnie, you're a man killer, Donnie, but you saved this woman. Yep. Aww. Aww. Uh, what a great log line for Donnie's life story. Um, but this isn't about Donnie. No. Um, so after not dying like the first time, um, question mark, she uh, took charge of the newly created Community Development Department of the Cherokee Nation. And the core of her activism in Oklahoma was kind of around what she called like self-help projects. Um, basically, she would she would design projects that would for like rural communities that would help better them, but they were like designed to be like, we're, you're going to help better yourself. Like mm. it's, it's, they would, they would design projects to like get the community involved so that they could uh, play a role in yeah. uh, their, their own betterment and their, help solve their own problems and Teach whatnot. Teach Amanda Fish. Yeah. Um, the most notable one was a project in Bell, Oklahoma. It's a small village on a reservation where volunteers from the community helped construct an 18-mile-long uh, water system uh, because they didn't have fresh water uh, and repair dangerous housing. So that was the one... Was that, this woman just exhausted all the time? Yeah, from probably from almost dying constantly. Yeah. Hey, hold on, guys. I have limited speech and motor functions. And let every me, cancer. Let me get my master's also running rural outreach development programs yeah. with probably no funds. And, and raising two, I'm sure, badass daughters. Oh, two man killers. Yeah, two man killers. <laughs> Takes a lot out of you to raise Damn. two man killers. All while thinking positive thoughts. Yes. Uh, so the, the, the project in Bell, the water system, got her recognized in Ms. Magazine as Woman of the Year in 1987. Fucking so good better. for her. Um, and she met her she met her second husband working on that project because i believe he was a volunteer she recruited mm. um his name was charlie soap <laughs> so many good names it's a good name it's a good charlie soap he should have um, taken her last name he was a full-blooded native american nice. he was full-blooded cherokee uh and was totally cool with her not being a traditional housewife Ugh, i'm sorry i'm hating so much on hector <laughs> uh, hector hugo but so the all and so the all of that is just like that's before she even did what she's like most known for. Oh, we haven't even we hit haven't, that well, yet. No, because we haven't hit her becoming chief. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So she became she became deputy principal chief of the Cherokee Nation in '83, um, and then the principal chief resigned in '85. He re resigned. He resigned to take a position in like the some federal bureau of, mm. in, bureau of Indian Affairs or something something. Uh, Bureaucratic. Bureaucratic and in, seemingly incorrectly named. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and so, so she became the first female principal chief of uh, the modern Cherokee Nation by, like, just default because she was deputy. Yeah. Um, uh, and at that, I think at that time and still, the Cherokee Nation is the second largest tribe in the U.S. after the Navajo. Got um, it. But, yeah, so she just took over for him because he Rose he left for the, the other yeah uh so she had to run for re-election so she ran for re-election in 87 and even though she had already done the job uh had a hell of a time like faced a lot of opposition oh yeah not for any like particularly like stances but just because she was a woman yeah um which because clearly she had done the work and had proven yeah. she can do her job yeah she had done the work at that you point know that for, word for electability yeah. that we keep hearing yeah. now uh, 
Yeah, like her car was vandalized. She was threatened. And what's weird about this is that I guess like in traditional chair in traditional Cherokee culture, like women play a vital role in social and political yeah like issues. Like, and women are women empowered women are like a normal thing. Yeah, it's not a matriarchal society, but they are no. There's like very, a balance. Very valued. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it it's, it's, uh, in one of her in her autobiography, Man Killer. Uh, argued that like European conquest uh, disrupted kind of that idea of balance between Ugh. the two genders in the Cherokee nation. And, uh, and also a lot of native American tribes um, believe in multiple genders. That oh. There are multiple genders. That's fair. That's dope. Uh, so, so yeah, so she just felt that having a female chief was like a good, like a small, but strong step back to achieving that gender balance. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that they, used to have traditionally before Europeans came and fucked up everything. Man, we kind of did a lot of that yeah. fucking up things. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> shared history. What did, what did, <laughs> how did white people did the ruin whites this? ruin everything? Uh, I mean, but that could literally be the tagline of, of most things. <laughs> um, most history books. Most history books. Uh, but obviously she won the election in 87, uh, ran again for re-election in 91, won again, um, sh- and then uh, retired in uh, 95 because uh, w- she was Girl exhausted. Girl needs a break. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, like, she cited illness, and I'm like, I feel like ill health, you, you carried through on a lot of yeah. ill health. You get to. You don't need a reason to That's retire. Bull. You could have used ill health as a reason a long time yeah. ago. You're tired. You're, yeah, like you've you've done enough. You did the work. Um, when she was chief, she focused on like education and job training and healthcare. A lot more of that, like yeah, self sufficient. Yeah, That's helping yourself. Awesome. She also uh, worked with the federal government um, to pilot like more self-governance uh of of native american tribes um she worked with the epa uh and she and she i love this she worked to improve the image of native americans while staunchly combating the misappropriation of native heritage oh my god uh yes that's a big task yeah especially in the 70s Mm -hmm. like 70s and 80s trying to uh trying to be like yes we agree we're important and our culture and our heritage is impressive and important please stop village people taking it as your own yeah um please stop buying your children dream catchers hey coachella take off the headdresses and yeah. stuff oh i had a dream catcher as a kid and i'm like i feel bad about it i went I've, to cam- i went to summer camp and we made them all the time with like yarn and stuff what a what a beautiful uh piece of heritage that you made yeah <laughs> your traditional yarn dream catcher. um but yeah, so by the end of her tenure, like the budget for the Cherokee Nation was like 150 million dollars, uh, and they and the uh, membership population had like doubled. Yeah, um, and yeah, uh, and then after leaving office, because she was like, "Guys, I don't feel great, and I'm done a lot. I'm tired," and then um, retires and immediately is like still lecturing, of still course. like like authors several books. <laughs> She's that woman who's like, you know what? I'm going to take a break and focus on me. All right, I've got a rally coming up. Um, We're (laughs) going to have some speeches and some outreach stuff. i got to teach a class at this local college. Uh, I think she taught at Dartmouth. Uh, that's not a local college you know small college (laughs) Dartmouth. casual you ever heard of Dartmouth? ever heard of it It, you wouldn't hear it it's very small um do you know what she got her master's in i do not know what she got her master's in. i'm sure it was some sort of like like women's lib or or like you know poli sci poli sci yeah it was probably like a double master's yeah i don't need to talk about that i got work to do yeah yeah she's like i don't need it i'm just here to like help you help you Mm. I just want to help you help yourself. Ugh. Um, she so received great. numerous honors, uh, appropriately so. Thank God. Um, one of which being the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which she received in 98, so it would have been with Clinton. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a bunch of other people who got that. I think a Rockefeller got it that year, because uh, Rockefeller's going to Rockefeller. But... Uh, <laughs> Lean in Rockefeller. Yeah, no. lean with it, Rockefeller. <laughs> he worked so it. hard. 
accruing his millions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I mean, thanks as an art kid. Thanks Rockefellers for being (laughs) patrons of the arts. Yeah. Um, I think Sybil may have outworked you. No, thank you, Rockefeller, specifically for the hit TV show Thirty Rock. Uh, You did it, David Rockefeller. Thank Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for your address. Yeah, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Wilma Mankiller uh, completed a master's degree in community planning at the University of Arkansas. Checks out. Thanks, Rip. Yeah, thanks, producer Rip. Rip on the ones and twos and the actual facts. Let the beat drop. (laughs) Yeah, that was a (laughs) drink. That was a. That was a beat drop in that the we morning. were talking Don't. about. Wait till you get to work. That was a beat drop that we were talking about. It's just, it's just Rip dropping a fact in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. We call facts beats here yeah. on Shared History. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, you got the beat on that? Yeah, let me drop it real quick. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's Wilma Mankiller. She is sadly no longer with us. She passed away in uh, 2010 of pancreatic cancer. Wait, wait, when was she? She was born in 34? Uh, 45, yes. How old is she? What's math? I'm bad at math. What is that? That's, uh, six, Sybil no, Please hit the comments her. with better math than we can do. Sybil Luddington outlived her, if that's it. Yeah, that's but insane. But also, she did a 40-mile ride at 16 and had plenty of time to chill after that. Yeah. Also, did Sybil Luddington have <laughs> every cancer? Probably not. <laughs> And like no clean drinking water. Oh God! And or well, I was gonna say or electricity, but Sybil didn't have it. But she's going riding a horse. No, Sybil, you are awesome, and we thank you for your service to this country. Also, Wilma was probably just like another kidney. Cool. Uh, go ahead, do what you got to do, doctors. I I'm working. Can, yeah. <laughs> can I have like a standing desk while you're doing all this? Yeah, yeah I have. I'm. I have plans. Yeah. So. Can we just like hurry I up just, this second kidney transplant? I just hate hearing these stories when it's like, oh, she was busting her ass and so overqualified and doing the work. And is, it doesn't even seem like a footnote because I've never heard this in yeah. anything. Yeah. When I like I was I was I hate U.S. history. So I was like trying to figure out who I, who I wanted was going to talk about. And I really wanted to do uh, I really wanted to do a woman of color. Mm. Uh and and I was like, oh, I found so many activists are women of color yeah. in this country. It's insane and also 100% justified and believable. And there should be many more activists that are not people of color yeah. because they need to stop doing all the work for us. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> Take a nap. Let me help. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, I was started, I like, read just like a little blurb on her and I was like, I want. I wonder if there's like enough here. And then I got into this, and I was like, <laughs> and one was like, "Hold my beer." Yeah, yeah, because I'm working. I can't drink right now. Yeah, I can't drink right now. I have things to do. <laughs> I have communities to rebuild. Oh my god! I have, I have impacts to make. What I have, and I have like several tribes to... on Alcatraz to feed. Ugh. And two beautiful daughters. Um, <laughs> and me, two beautiful daughters. Uh, who are also probably very smart. Yeah, I wonder what they're everything. doing now. Well, tune in next time. <laughs> um, I will. I I do want to read. I have a quote because Obama issued a statement after her passing. Drop that beat because uh, she passed away during his presidency. Um, he said, as the Cherokee Nation's first female chief, she transformed the nation-to-nation relationship between the Cherokee Nation and the federal government and served as an inspiration to women in Indian country and across America. And he stated, her legacy will continue to encourage and motivate all who carry on her work. I just, any opportunity to quote Obama, I'm going to take. Yeah. Um, Yes, we can. Yes. (laughs) We could. Oh. (laughs) 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 On that note. Yes, we will. Yeah. Jesus. but yeah, I just I just really liked that her story was one uh, riddled with disease and great names. Seriously, can we recap some names quick? Uh, Charlie Soap, Charlie Soap, uh, Hector I mean, Hugo, Mankiller, Wilma Pearl, Wilma Pearl, Mankiller. What was Irene and what was Dad's uh, name? Dad's name was Charlie as well. Oh yeah, um, and Danny Mankiller and Hector Hugo Olaya Debardi and Felicia and Gina. Mm. Um, and Donnie, Donnie and his kidney. Donnie and those kidneys. Donnie and those kidneys. Wow. 
Yeah, I had never heard of her. No. But that's what we're here for. That is why we're here to share history with y'all. Dude, I... Reading about this too, also like I went down so many rabbit holes because like the Al- oh, like sure. I could do a whole episode just on the occupation of Alcatraz because it's like I just think it's really interesting. Um, it should be the uh, the plot for uh, the sequel the to The sequel Rock. To the rock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's like so interesting and like and also sad uh, because I mean they're not they aren't there. It's still just yeah. Now it's just like There's a tourist, tourist destination. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that like you did like a revolution because I almost did one that was more re- like a co- like colonial days. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that like well, cause, it so happened cause, that you went colonial and I went last. Yeah, like, like within the last started century. with the colonizers and ended with the uh... yeah started with started started with the coloners and ended with the indigenous people, yes. <laughs> the native people. Yes. Um, yeah, you and I aren't huge history buffs. I mean, U- U.S. history buffs. No. Um, I think part of that is it's so hammered into us in like grade school and stuff. Yeah. And it's very much like, um, look at how great, I like, would love to study U.S. history in a different country. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to like study. I wish I'd studied abroad yeah. and taken like a U.S. history. Yeah. In, I don't know that I wanted to, that I would care too much to take like U.S. history like in like if I had like if I was like in London, like if I was like in England, I don't think I would. All right, so our cousins got mad at us, yeah. and they threw a hissy fit. I once we didn't... love our tea and yeah. they threw it all away. Yeah, they threw away all of our tea, and it was just a really rough time for us. Yeah, no, it'd be awesome to get the outside perspective. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of the bullet points would be the same, but the tone would be a bit different. Yes, and I'm sure that like also yeah, just other countries have. Other nations have been around so much longer. Yeah. That, like, it's just America's real young. Yeah, we babies. Yeah. I once, a student taught in, uh, in, when I was in high school, a student taught in eighth grade U.S., seventh grade? Seventh grade U.S. history class. Uh, Shout out to Mr. Cheney. Uh, He's not going to listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) But if he did, I would lose my mind. Uh, I loved that man's class. Um, I he I like student taught with him and I had to teach he taught US history. I wanted a student teach history. Um and he happened to be my cooperating teacher and it was US history and I was like, Ugh. uh but I had to teach the Declaration of Independence and I taught it as a breakup letter because when I was in middle school That's awesome. everyone I broke up with I did it via note. So it seemed like it would resonate with the seventh or eighth graders in the ah! audience to teach it as a breakup letter. Dear Britain, it's not me, it's you. Yeah. Sli- we slid this into Britain's locker. Will you, will you let period. us have our own country? Check yes, yes no, or, or maybe. <laughs> they said no. We We're going to do it that. anyway. Yeah. We, we, we cross. We, they said no, but they did it in a pencil. So. <laughs> Uh, P.S. There's a map on the back of this. <laughs> Bring it back to Nick Cage. P.S. Here's where we hid all of the treasure. <laughs> Say what? Treasure. Um, yeah. U.S. history is always really boring to me because we are such a young nation that it's like, cool. We're spending like 12 years in school going over a little bit of this where it's like when you do, you know, European history or th- that's really the only history yeah. we get. Um, you literally got thousands of years yeah. on that. So it's like a little variety. I took a class in high school that was a golden age of the Mediterranean. And we like started at like uh, Mesopotamia mm-hmm. and like went through the Renaissance. Which you or, probably like, barely to? got to touch on anything. Yeah, it's just like so a little much like. Happened in between yeah, that. It's just like. Cool. They made a painting. Uh, uh, statues. Um, yeah, the big wind split horse. Split from a lot of churches. Uh, yeah. Bunch of schisms. Yeah, we're going to spend uh, one week on all of the schisms. Just going to cover <laughs> all the schisms in one week. Uh, we'll lightly touch on some uh, on some papal orgies in that. There will be there will be an episode of this podcast where I will cover <laughs> papal orgies. Um, and then, great, uh, everyone had the plague, and uh, now it's modern day. <laughs> cool. If you want to learn any more about this, take a really hyper-specific elective. Yeah. Or watch Mamma Mia. <laughs> 
<laughs> to learn about the golden age of the Mediterranean. The I true feel- golden age of the Mediterranean. I feel like I feel like this podcast is like the Mamma Mia histori- historical. <laughs> you know, it's like we're gonna talk about this, but we're just gonna we're gonna have fun. Yeah. You know, and maybe sing a little. And no one can see it, but we're definitely wearing huge bell bottoms and platform shoes. But there also is a strobe light where Rip is behind on the mm-hmm. ones and twos. Yep, and Rip is wearing like a real like plunging like neckline and his with just chest hair just magnificent chest hair yeah it's i wish you guys could see this yeah. it's fabulous yeah we're doing we're, we're he's doing this for just for us yeah he spent a lot he bought all this equipment yeah just for this. all this av equipment um yeah wow, so that's the story stories. of wilma Mankiller. that's yeah sybil Ludington. i'm surprised i had never heard of because yeah because she i'm um because she's a white woman <laughs> she's a white woman she is like I feel like she is always, not always, but it, it is a little more well-known female history. I feel like you can hear about, you have a better chance of hearing about her, but it would always be like, a, there's this chick named Sybil. She's good at riding a horse. She Let's go back to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. we That was a lot of history. Yeah. We, I Thanks hope everyone sharing. learned. I hate you so much. You said, you said Wilma uh, Mankiller wrote a uh memoir she's an autobiography yeah I'm, I'm gonna be reading that yeah uh i d- didn't write down the title um i'm sure it's but be shout out to womenshistory.org and uh, the new york times and wikipedia for uh for being my major so those are your citations kids yeah. working on your papers uh thus brings us to the conclusion of the first episode of shared history yeah thank you for sharing this with us uh, <laughs> Rip doesn't have his mic in front of him, but he just let out he just, the heaviest <laughs> of sighs. Um, uh, so, if you guys want to get a hold of us, um, our Instagram and Twitter handles are at sharedpod, or you can email us any corrections, questions, or suggestions of stories, or events, or people you want us to cover in a future episode at sharedhistorypodcast at gmail dot com. And the password Cass, is no. Oh no. <laughs> We don't share that? No, 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 no. <laughs> Great. I should note that shared is spelled like... The word, not the name. Not Sunny and. <laughs> oh, I was going to say it was Sunny. Share. No, it is spelled S-H-A-R-E-D. Yes. I want to do a share bit. Uh, shared history, spelled like Sunny and share, will be the Patreon bonus <laughs> yes. series. Where it's just all to to share. share stories. And that'll always bring us back to Mamma Mia. Mia. <laughs> On that <laughs> note... <laughs> Thank you and good night. Good night. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.